Welcome to the show. It's me, John Park, and it's time for John Park's workshop. Here we are. We're ready to go. And uh, hello, everyone over in the YouTube chat. I see Noe and Pedro have joined us. Hey, guys. Uh, also, Marie Meyer, Dave Odessa, Anthony Becerra, Martin Kolinak, Larry Beatty. Welcome, uh, one and all. And of course, we've got plenty of people over here in the Discord chat. If you're wondering uh, where some of these people are chatting and you're over on Twitch or some other place where there's a seeming ghost town of chat, or lack thereof, uh, head to the Discord. It's adafru.it slash Discord. You'll get an instant invite, and you'll want to head over to the live broadcast chat channel, and that's where all these good folks are, such as Andy Calloway, Mr. Certainly. Okay, you're on. C. Grover, Jim Hendrickson, hello, and uh, Mr. Certainly, did I mention that? Yes, welcome. Uh, Darth Vader, Lars, all the good people. And... Uh, I think we should, we should get going. So uh, let's see, first of all, what's what? Uh, by popular demand, uh, people really liked the teardown of last week's Halloween animatronic eyeball doorbell. And so I'm gonna go ahead and do the, uh, the hacking of said doorbell. So we looked at how it works. Now we'll go ahead and start connecting it up to our own microcontroller and driver boards so that we can make it do what we want, make it play the sounds that we want. Uh, should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. We'll also do a little bit of exploration of how to figure out what uh, is actually in there, what motors you need to drive, and therefore what kind of hardware you need. Uh, those kinds of things. We'll learn a lot along the way and have fun, I hope. Uh, let's see, what else is up? I'm gonna get a sip of water, that's something. Ah, and uh, let's see, I think that's, that's all the preamble. So let's get into it. First of all, I want to mention that we've got some uh, Adafruit things to check out. First of all, uh, always uh, important to uh, remind you to check out our jobs board. If you're looking for work, if you are looking to hire someone, you can head to jobs.adafruit.com. And if you head over to the uh, jobs site, you'll see that we've got a bunch of positions that are posted there. It doesn't cost anything to use it. It doesn't cost anything to post. And you can also post your own info. If you click at the top, there's either search jobs or available for hire. 
And there you can see a bunch of people available for hire, including 3D and CAD, dash on J, quote, bracket, double quote, bracket, ah, 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 in the United States. I don't know what that's about, and I'm scared to click on it. But most of the other ones don't look too scary, so maybe check those ones out. Not sure what's happening there, really. And that's the jobs board. So head on over to jobstudyfruit.com if you want to learn out, learn more. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Also, I want to mention if you head to the AdaBox site, you can go to adabox.com. That'll get you there. Uh, we are now making a shift to talking about these in terms of seasons. It's a little broader scope than particular holidays that they might have been or dates that they might have been built around before. So uh, seasonal. We have a winter AdaBox coming up. So if you're interested in subscribing, you can head to adabox.com. You can also uh, get a subscription for someone else as a gift if you'd like. And that is gonna be coming out sometime in the winter. So that's as uh, specific as we can get right now. Uh, at the top here, it says actually January slash February 2022 is when, when this should be shipping. And this is gonna be AdaBox number 21, the 21st of these that we've done. Wow, boy howdy. Uh, and should be a good one, should be fun. I don't know yet what the theme is exactly. I know what we're planning as far as what's in the box, but as far as theming of it, there's some mystery surrounding that right now coming from Mr. Lady Ada and Lady Ada, and uh, they won't tell me, so. Uh, but I gotta, gotta get my costumes and stuff together, right? Uh, let's see, what else is up? Uh, the product show I do on Tuesdays. Have you heard of this? This is called JP's Product Pick of the Week. Every week I pick something from our catalog, our massive catalog of cool items, and I show it off. I demo it. I show you how it works, uh, software to code it, hardware to hook it up. And uh, there is usually a massive, massive discount available during the show. You don't need to do anything special other than buy it during the show. So there's not a coupon code that you need to worry about, uh, no puzzles to solve, no secret links to discern, no steganography. Uh, you don't have to figure out uh, secret codes inside of a numbers station, none of that. It's just buy it right then while the show is happening and you'll get a discount. It's often an astonishing 50% off. This week it was the uh, three pack of the Permaproto full-size PCB breadboards, and I've done a little bit of a recap, so check this out. The Permaproto full-sized breadboards. These are perf boards in the shape and, more importantly, design of a breadboard. These are real nice, high-quality PCBs that you can use to transfer your circuits from a typical breadboard where you press your components in into a much more permanent home by soldering it into this guy, the Permaproto. These come in different sizes, but uh, this is a really nice one if you're building a project that has a sort of luxurious amount of room on it for input. If you have a smaller microcontroller, you can get quite a few uh, buttons and switches and encoders on there. And uh, that is how I like to use these. It is the Permaproto full-sized PCB for uh, making your projects a little more permanent.
Boy, I was so hopeful and optimistic back then, back on Tuesday, that it was going to get fall-like and cooler out. Uh, and now you can see me in t-shirts again. I had a flannel shirt and everything. I was so excited, and now it's hot. Uh, but actually, that segues a little bit into the conversation about the seasons. Mike P. asks over in Discord if this is still going to be four times a year. And yes, uh, the Ada Box is still quarterly. We're just calling the, uh, the theming around it season-based. So there'll be four a year, winter, summer, spring, fall, um, which Mr. Certainly says is the North American four seasons. Sure. Uh, and Steve okay, on asks, can I get those in low-quality PCBs instead? I bet you can, but not at Adafruit. We refuse to sell you the low-quality PCBs here at Adafruit. Uh, all right. Yeah, and, and all joking aside, one thing that you'll find with the higher-quality uh, PCBs... By the way, someone had asked the other day about cutting them in half, and I found one that I had cut in half. I can't remember what I was using half of, a, half of one of these for. Um, but the, with the higher quality, you get pads that don't lift off if you ever need to desolder them or even while you're soldering them. Uh, so these are very nice quality. And I've never seen them corrode or do anything weird. I think these are probably gold-plated um, traces. So nice high quality. All right. What else have we got going on? Uh, hey, this is a good time to do the CircuitPython Parsec. All right, let me get that set up right there. Okay, so this is a nice uh, back to basics one right here today for the Circuit Python Parsec. What I wanted to show is how you can use the Adafruit waveform. Let me say that again. I want to show you how you can use the Adafruit waveform library to import a sine wave and use that to generate a tone that you can hear. So what you'll see in my downshooter here is I have a Circuit Playground Bluefruit connected to our little uh, Stemma amplifier and speaker breakout. And when I press the two buttons, I'm going to play different tones. So these are nice, smooth uh, sine waveforms, and the way that those are created is with this code. I import the board for the pin definitions, digital I.O. so I can use the buttons, debouncer to make the buttons even friendlier to use, and then I'm importing audio cores, raw sample, and audio PWM I.O. so that I can output over that audio output pin. And then I'm importing Adafruit waveforms sine. Then I am setting up two sine waves. I have sine wave low, which is created with this sine wave and then a sample rate of 8,000 and a pitch or frequency of 440. Then I take that sine wave that gets created and I essentially turn it into a table or an array. And that's what this raw sample does. Raw sample takes that array and turns it, or takes that waveform, turns it into a sample array. And then I'm doing the same sort of thing again, except this time with a higher pitch, 660. So this is equivalent of an A and an E. Then I set up the audio output on the board's audio out pin. Sometimes that's A0. On this board, it's just called audio. Then I set up my buttons. And then in the main loop, when I press a button, it does this, audio play, sine wave low sample, and then it loops that. So this is essentially a single waveform, and it just keeps looping that over and over again, so it plays constantly. 
And then when I do that with the high sample, we get the higher pitch. And so that is how you can use Adafruit Waveform to import a sine wave and play it back as a tone inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Uh, let's see, let me check. I, th I saw some questions and activity over in the uh, chat there. Why are all the pins on the screen connected to ground rail, asks Adam Bryant. Which screen are we talking about? I'm not sure. If you can clarify, we'll try to answer that. All the pins on the screen connected to the ground rail. I don't know. What did I show? Now I don't know. Are you talking about this little guy here? Uh, this? Probably not. It's a mystery. All right, well, if you get this message, please uh, respond, and, and I'll try to figure out what the question is. Uh, and by the way, with that waveform library, there's also a square wave in it. And uh, I'd love to lobby to get a sawtooth and a triangle and some other uh, waveforms put in there, which are useful for sound things, of course, but also stuff like um, making LEDs fade up and down or blink on and off using the square wave. Uh, a pulse wave would be cool. But since we don't want to compute those in real time, we're actually just taking those and using that raw sample to generate kind of a little table, a little um, lookup table of values that we can play back which is pretty cool. So it becomes a sample in, in essence. Uh, why were, oh, Adam asks here too, why were all the pins on the screen connected to ground? Was it the cut PCB? Could be. The video of you in the plain shirt. Was that during the CircuitPython Parsec? It might've been. Now I don't remember. I don't have a quick easy way to review that. Uh, now I'm, now I'm dying to know. Let's see. I don't think I can play this without it playing its audio. I'll have to go back and, yeah, something I did in the, well, here's the Permaproto. Okay, so, uh, oh, I know. You're talking about the display. Okay, that was something I explained in the larger show. Um, I didn't actually connect the um, screen to the ground plane. I actually am using the Stemma QT cable for this connection, so it's I squared C connection. Um, but I just wanted to, essentially bolt the screen onto here mechanically. Uh, if I put it somewhere where it just wasn't gonna use any pins, it was kind of off center. So I created a whole bunch of confusion for everyone by using a couple of these right angle headers, which allows me to slide uh, that screen into some header pins that look like they're connected to ground, but they're actually not. So it's a big fake out. So sorry about that. Uh, I, I could have just, and probably should have just plugged it in down there and maybe really wired it, uh, but I didn't feel like it, <laughs> or uh, left it alone, but instead I, I got a little fancy and uh, hooked it on there. And these, by the way, I didn't drill holes through for, uh, for these um, nylon fasteners. They're just acting essentially as feet so that this thing doesn't uh, tilt at an angle. Phew! 
Uh, mystery solved, I hope. The other way to deal with that, by the way, is to cut traces. So if you, if you do need to use something like that where those traces are connected, uh, you can score with a hobby knife between them and uh, remove that connection and then plug into them and, and use it just as a mechanical connection to solder to. Thank you for asking, Adam. That was a, a very good question, and uh, maybe I got a little fancy for my own good and confused things. Uh, all right, so let's see. Next up, oh, lovely A72 says, make a Commodore SID simulator with the Adafruit waveform. That would be cool. Um, there are a, a couple of SID-based uh, synthesizers that I've seen that just use that chip and... Uh, allow you to play the, the synthesis on, on that chip uh, without having a full Commodore 64, which is kind of cool. Um, all right, let's see, next up. So let's get into this. The, um, I'm gonna head back to my uh, browser window here for a second. And let's talk about um, this doorbell a little bit. So this is what I'm working with. This is a little $15 doorbell. You can get them all over the place, uh, anywhere from uh, Halloween stores to hardware stores, big box stores, probably Target, uh, Amazon. They're, they're available all over the place. And this company uh, called Jemmy, they make a lot of um, motor sound animatronic types of things for holidays in particular. They also do a lot of the, uh, I found out last week from, from someone on our chat, uh, some of the best lawn inflatable types of animatronic things, giant spiders that sit up on your roof and stuff like that. Uh, I think they maybe even have done some of the stuff that uses versions of the, uh, the what's our, the Halloween mask? Um, what's the mask called? I'm forgetting now, but our digital eyes. Do I have one around? What's it called? Monster mask, that's it. Um, some of those, I've seen at least one werewolf that uses the monster mask, which is pretty cool, or a, a version of that TFT eyeballs. Um, so last week I took this apart and we looked at how it works, and I was actually surprised to see that I didn't find any teardowns online. Uh, people collect these, and this, this uh, fandom wiki page goes through the history of them and where you can buy them, which versions exist, what phrases are on them. Uh, and the one I have does these four, enter at your own risk, welcome, good evening, and you rang. I think those are the ones that are on mine. Um, one thing that's popular among people of the internet who are fans of these is to uh, rip the sound from them. So they'll either get a microphone or even better, create a, a sort of uh, line in by soldering uh, to the speaker output and then going through an audio interface into their computer and they'll make high quality recordings of the sounds. So I wanted to try taking this set of phrases, which are on the spider, which is not the version I have, and be able to play those on mine, uh, as well as control the timing of the eyelid and eye motion, maybe change the eye motion myself. So this is the kind, this is sort of the answer to the question, why would you want to connect your own microcontroller? There's a perfectly good one already in there that does everything. But uh, for, the, for the sake of customization, modification, understanding how it works, it's all uh, a lot of fun to go in there and figure out what makes this thing tick and how to drive it yourself. So uh, the first thing we'll do is actually take a look at determining what is actually in one of these so you know 
sort of the specifications that you need to be able to handle when you're going to drive it yourself. So um, let's head over to the workbench um, and I will start off by exploring the motors here and figuring out what their um, specifications are. And before I do that, I'm going to get my uh, chat up so that I can see you there. Hello. Um, so since I have this um, set up right now, the first thing I'm going to do is actually check the current of the motors. But before I do that, let's, let's zoom in here on the motors a bit try to focus on them. Uh, and if you're not uh, experienced with these, the first question is just what kind of motors are we dealing with? And the options for motors in um, electronics tend to be three kinds typically for spinning motors. So there's going to be simple DC motors, either brushless, uh, generally brushless DC motors, uh, servo motors, which are a little more expensive but can be controlled to go to specific angles. And then stepper motors, which are uh, even more complicated to control, so more expensive, uh, can go to very precise positions and um, you will not find those in toys. You're not super likely to find servo motors in toys unless they're remote control things uh, generally. So uh, nine times out of 10, if you open up an inexpensive gizmo like this, you're gonna find DC motors. Uh, other clues that we have DC motors are going to be uh, just the general shape. Uh, so I don't have uh, any out. Let me see if I have one I can grab from somewhere else. Uh, but just learning to identify what these motors look like is helpful. Uh, do I have any? No, I don't have any readily available. So, but this metal uh, flatted cylinder type of shape with a plastic end, very typically the DC motor. This one's blue. You usually see them in this white, the plastic part. Uh, and then another clue is this capacitor here. You will often see a, uh, let me get something to point with. You'll often see a little sort of beige colored disc soldered between two terminals, uh, which help to deal with a lot of the noise that comes off of these motors so we don't um, interfere with the electronics on the microcontroller itself. The uh, other things that we have to look at, okay, what's the power supply that's driving this? What's the voltage of that? Um, and then we also have, in the case of this one, an LED to consider and a speaker. We have audio on here and we have a little speaker built into the back lid. Uh, so the first clue for us in figuring out what we're going to be uh, where our requirements for driving this thing are just going to be the voltage that is supplied by the batteries. So this is three batteries, three alkaline AAA batteries are what uh, came in the toy and that's what we'll start with there. If you need to replace your batteries, this is what you're going to be looking at. It's these guys right here. Uh, and these are actually the ones it came with. So these start off life at a uh, nominally at 1.5 volts. Uh, so that's going to be four and a half volts of DC uh, that, that drive this thing. So um, the 
somewhat reasonable thing to guess at first with toys like this is if they aren't um, doing anything terribly fancy with um, boost converters and buck converters is that probably these motors can handle uh, something close to just that straight up battery voltage. And uh, it's pretty common for these to be able to handle anywhere from maybe three volts at the low end, uh, three, four volts at the low end, and they'll still turn uh, up to nine or 12 volts. But uh, in this case, I'm, I'm just gonna guess that something around four and a half, five volts will be um, safe to drive those with. The next thing we can do after guessing is to check the voltage, but just because I have things set up for this and, and I don't want to reset it up. Before I do that, let's just check the current draw. Uh, so the way that I'm doing this is, first of all, I took a picture of this board here uh, before I started pulling the connectors off. And one thing that we saw last week that I thought was great is that this board um, connects to almost all the peripherals using two-pin JST XH connectors which are pretty much the same connectors that you find in our battery packs. Um, if you look at the battery pack for our LED glasses, uh, same type of connector there, or similar type of connector. Uh, actually, these are PH size, and these are XH size. Um, but the JST connector is a pretty common one. Adafruit happens to have some things that make it handy for dealing with this. Um, one thing that I had laying around was a kit of JST-XH connectors. So that's the exact connector here. Uh, here's a spare one of them. So those are kind of useful for interfacing, uh, especially if you're gonna make a circuit board and you wanna lay down, um, maybe use one of our Protos and lay down some connectors that you can plug stuff into. Uh, and we also have, I don't have any right here that are the ones we sell, so I made some of my own. We have in the store some little pigtails that are uh, in different numbers. So these are the two pin, JST-XH. So what I've made here is essentially something that I could plug one of these motors into, and then I have bare wires on the end that I can plug into uh, whatever I've got driving it or we can terminate that in other things. Um, I'm gonna use screw terminals, but I've got one case where I uh, did some little pins on the end of it. So this gives me a connector that allows me to hook up all these peripherals to my own microcontroller and avoid the board there. So looking now at uh, the layout of things, the eyelid motor, so that's this motor here, when this turns, it pulls the eyelid open, um, and I don't know if I can make it do that without actually driving the motor, uh, but we'll see that happen in a second. So what I've done is I've connected my multimeter and I'm gonna be using it in um, current measuring mode. So we switch our leads out to measure current. And then I've got uh, the output. This is, this is the um, port that drives the motor. And what I've done is I've set one wire from that motor, so this is the motor connector. Uh, one of those goes directly to the board. The other one travels through my multimeter in current measuring mode. Uh, so that means with the power coming from this battery pack, I still have that connected, and the button that's on the front to ring the doorbell still connected, so I'm gonna reach around there and press that. Uh, I'll put this multimeter into min-max mode and 
I'll press the button and we'll see it's drawing about 0 0.1 uh, maximum, okay, 0.2, about 0.2 amps or 200 milliamps. Uh, so I know that my current draw needs to be roughly that. Uh, that's, this is measuring the max, so it probably didn't go any higher than that if this thing is, is measuring quickly enough. But you can give yourself some, uh, some leeway there too, just to be safe. So we know we need to be able to supply about 0 0.2, 0 0.3, or 200, 300 milliamps uh, to that motor. The other motor is actually drawing less, and that's the one that moves the eyeball side to side. And that's because this one is essentially stalling. It's, it's pulling and stopping uh, in, in holding, actually. It's, it's pulling and holding in that uh, eyelid open position. And I can just turn that around for fun so you can see that. So again, we'll uh, clear this out. Let me set the range. Put it in min-max and it'll stay on max. Press this, it opened up. Uh, and I don't have the speaker connected right now, so it's not, um, you're not hearing any of the audio out of it, but it does still also do the audio. Uh, so that was less that time, and it probably had to do with me flipping this upside down, so it was easier for the motor to pull that stuff. That's my only guess, is that we got to assist from gravity. Could be, could be wrong there, but that's my guess. Um, so next thing I'll do is I'll, I'll detach that, and we'll do the sort of easier measurement, and, and the one I actually did first, which is just what's the voltage it's supplying. So let's look at that same uh, connection there. Let me move some stuff here. So... I'm going to disconnect the leads that are going there. I'm going to disconnect the motor entirely. So that motor there plugs into that port. Uh, and now I'm going to switch my multimeter into voltage measuring. And I have the leads of my multimeter going into some little DuPont connector um, wires so that I can plug those in. Uh, and you'll either get a negative or a positive on here depending on what you pick this this one you might not be able to see it actually says plus on it uh, for bring this up a little higher uh, this has a little plus sign right next to it so I know which happens to be plus it doesn't matter either way we're just finding out the voltage on this and it will in this case go uh, it should go positive and negative because the motor heads in one direction and then the other um, there's a chance this one only goes in one direction and then just lets go um, so it might not go negative this one does for sure so let's try them both so uh, again I'll set this to min max and I'll press the button so it's trying to turn the motor pull to pull that uh, eyelid uh, and we get a max here of 4.4. So, like I said, about... Oh, you can't see that. Zoom out a little bit again. So, 4.5, 4.4 uh, volts. That's what we were getting off of that one. Uh, this, I think I'll, I'll... Let me consult my photo. I took a photo uh, last week before I took everything apart so that I'd remember where it goes and actually it's down here at the 
bottom. Yeah, so these are the two motors down, down at the bottom. So let me switch this out. Uh, and this one actually has the same orientation. So the positive is, is marked on the board on the right. And I will clear this, hit the button. And so you can see this one goes up to four and a half and then goes down negative four and a half, roughly. And this, so that's the eyeball kind of sweeping back and forth as it turns positive and negative. So uh, there's some kind of um, a motor driver, like an H-bridge motor driver, that can send positive and negative voltage, which the DC motor is happy with. And this is another clue that it's a DC motor you're dealing with. I don't think you're going to see that with something like a stepper uh, or a... Um, a servo motor, they're going to get positive voltage and then other methods of controlling them. So if we look at the minimum and maximums, uh, it didn't store them. All right, why not? <laughs> Let me try that again. So 4.3 max, and then it should drop negative. Yeah, minimum is negative. All right. Uh, so those are our clues on that. Then uh, I'm not going to mess with the LED right now. We can guess that it's going to require something like a 2.2 volt, 2.5 volt, something like that. Um, you can even just look up based on the color. Uh, you could detach this and do the full current draw if you wanted to as well. And then there's the speaker. And actually, this is one that I, I need to find out. Um, just generally, you find somewhere between like four and eight ohm speakers in these things, so it's a safe bet to, to start with a audio amplifier that can can drive that uh, as a uh, that can drive four or eight ohm speakers. If someone knows of some of the better ways to figure out what we're dealing with with the speaker or with uh, checking the audio signal coming out of it, I'd love to know. I'd like to write that up. Uh, in this case, I guessed and it just turned out okay and it didn't ruin anything. Um, but that's a uh, another part that you'd want to figure out. Um, so let's see, what I'm going to do next is take a look at how we can drive this. So what I decided to go with, uh, if you look at our requirements, we have two motors, we have a switch we want to read, so I want to read pressing that switch. Uh, we have a speaker we want to drive with the audio amp, and uh, we have five volt roughly motors, and the current draw is actually nothing too, too uh, strong. So the Adafruit Cricket is a really good candidate for that. Uh, there's our Cricket board, and I can drive this from a Feather. There's also versions that you can drive from a Raspberry Pi, from a Microbit, and from a Circuit Playground Express or Circuit Playground Bluefruit. Uh, I'm using a Feather RP2040 in this case. And uh, what we want to do here is actually I'm going to remove some of these and put in these nicer connectors I made. What I want to do is be able to just plug in stuff from the doorbell into the Cricut and then write code on the Feather that will drive those things. So the Cricut takes care of, it has a uh, port here that we can plug in a battery pack, alkaline battery pack or uh, wall power depending on how you're using this thing with a, with a DC, AC-DC converter wall wart. Um, and then I'm using one or two of these signal uh, inputs here, or in-outs. So I'll use the input to read the button when it gets pressed. Uh, we could use one of these outputs to drive the LED in here inside the eyeball. 
uh, I've got audio output. And by the way, one of the gotchas with audio output on the Cricut that I forgot at first and thought, what's, what's not working here? There's a jumper that you need to close when you're using uh, the audio system on here. So I've closed that little pair of pins on there with a jumper um, so that I know the audio amplifier is gonna work. It's a little class D amplifier. Uh, we'll connect to that. This uh, may or may not be necessary. This is a, uh, you can place a capacitor across ground and five volts to uh, avoid brownouts, even out, smoothing out the, the voltage on the whole board. And then I've got two motor ports that I'm using to drive DC motors. Um, so what I'll do is I'll take these nice little guys here, we might as well use these and connect those up. Um, so I used silicon wire and uh, connected and soldered uh, to the little loose guys, but we sell these pigtails, essentially, I think a five pack in the store. Um, so they might be a better way to go. Uh, so I'm using silicon wire, which one of my favorite things is you can just trim the insulation with your fingernail. And then we'll plug in to our Cricut board. Let me zoom in here to my maximum. Zoom and get you some focus. Uh, so for this, Again, with these, you can change in code which uh, is positive and which is negative, so it actually doesn't matter too much which way you go for, for the DC motors. Um, this stranded wire is a good choice for these um, terminal blocks. In fact, better than what I had in there before, which was little uh, DuPont connector pins. So I will... Connect that up. And so this is the eyeball side-to-side -side motor. And I'm plugging that into motor one. These are, these are marked on the silk screen as motor one and motor two. So motor one will be to drive the eyeball left and right. And that'll just connect like so. Well, we get all of these connected up. So next we have the eyelid. And I don't need that anymore. This one is the orange and gray. I was able to match the colors pretty well of, of what's in there, which helps you to not get so confused. Uh, I th think that's how I had that. I hope so, because this is the one I don't want to get wrong, because it will yank the thing open when it's already open if I get it wrong. But it is actually a pretty sturdy mechanism. I, I didn't break anything so far, so let's, let's see. One thing you can do is move things just a little bit lower power and not for very long at first to see which direction motors are going. You can also loosen up the motor mounts so that they wiggle in there instead of binding. Uh, then audio, so the speaker is this little green wire connected here. And uh, it's, it's nicely mounted into the plastic here and it uses this whole cavity as a resonator. So uh, you, don't wanna, you don't wanna mess with that if you can leave that connected and use the speaker that they used. Um, that'll work best. So for green wire, that's gonna go, um, Either of those, polarity doesn't matter in this case. 
into the little audio out. twist this a little bit. This is the one trick with uh, stranded wire and screw terminals is you don't want like one little bitty thread to bridge their connections and it happens sometimes. But you also don't really want to solder like tin those because they don't get grabbed as neatly by the uh, screw terminal. All right, so, and then lastly, I've got my switch connection already there. So let's start hooking some things up. I can move my, clear out my space here a little bit. And zoom out again. Okay, so we'll do, um, I'm not gonna use this battery power for now. I may, we'll see. Uh, so this is gonna be the speaker. And now it connects right in like that. We can do the switch, which I have plugged into signal one and ground here. Do the motor for the eyeball and then motor for the lid and I think I got those right all right so why don't we give it a shot right here and then we'll go and look at the code but I've, I've got this doing some stuff already um, not quite everything but I'm gonna give this power and I happen to have a really beefy 5 volt wall wart switching power supply actually okay so with the Cricut if you're not familiar with these the uh, power is supplied by the Cricut board you can program the, the feather here over USB-C, um, but you're not using that for powering the whole thing. And then there's also a little uh, micro USB-B connector uh, for flashing the firmware of the Seesaw chip on the Cricut, so you don't need to touch that most of the time. Um, should just be fine, maybe, maybe flash it once. Uh, so now I'm not really doing anything on the board physically. I'm actually gonna use this uh, button here. When I press that, that should be read over signal one on here. And then it should tell our motors and speaker to do stuff. So let's see what happens. Okay, so I got the lid backwards. So it, it opened at the end. <laughs> let's, uh, Turn this off and I will um, switch those around. Yeah, so that motor only goes one direction during the animation. Uh, the eyeball goes side to side, but the lid only pulls open. So what I'm going to do just for safety of the device is I'm going to unplug this connector so that it doesn't try to open itself a second time uh, when it starts up. 
and then I'll plug it in once it's running. Power that up, press the button. Okay, now I can close that. Here you can see it <laughs> scooted when it closes off. Okay, so now it should work. Uh, so what you're gonna hear now is a different uh, voice track, a different audio file. Uh, it'll, it'll do the ding dong and then it's going to do a different voice track. I loves to scream. Uh, so let's take a look now at uh, the code that I've got running on there so far, and maybe um, we can mess around with that a little bit. Uh, let's see, can I, I might have to bring this power supply over there. Uh, you know, in fact, let's just look at the code first and then we'll see if we wanna mess around with it. Uh, Adam Bryant says, use an analog meter to measure the speaker. Oh, that's an interesting idea. All right, so let's jump over to the code. Uh, we can leave that there. And yeah, it does sound a bit like a Wilhelm scream. That's a good point. Let's see. Uh, that'll work. Okay. So let me grab the code here. Okay, so here's what I've got running on there. Uh, I'm importing uh, the Cricut library. It's a little cut off there. Uh, importing the Adafruit Cricut library as Cricut, and that actually takes care of a whole bunch of stuff at a high level. Um, other than the audio. Audio is handled on the Feather. Uh, and it's just using the amplifier circuit on the Cricut. Um, but everything else is handled essentially by the Seesaw uh, chip on the Cricut. And these are the commands we're using. So for example, for the button, we're just saying uh, button is a variable for Cricut signal one. And so signal one is that part of that little block of six uh, input output pins that we have there. Then uh, I'm setting that pin mode to be an input pull up. Audio I'm setting up as a PWM audio on the, uh, this is a Feather RP2040, so it does PWM, not doesn't have a DAC, uh, and it does that over A0. And then I'm setting up a set of audio MP3 files as this little list called ring one, two, three, four, and five. I should probably give them a different name because these aren't the rings. The ring is this one here called ring zero. Uh, these are actually the voice files. And I start off with the first one in this list. So I have a variable called current audio file, and that starts off as, as this one here, the first one. Then I set up the MP3 decoder. So this is using audio MP3, which is built into CircuitPython. MP3 decoder, open the ring 00 MP3 file. That's just the ding dong part. Uh, then I'm setting up my two motors. So. I called the motor I and motor lid, 
and those are the motor one, DC motor one and DC motor two outputs of the Cricut. Uh, then I've created a function here for opening the lid and this is mostly through trial and error. I just uh, figured out that setting the throttle to full speed, uh, it's actually not backwards, full speed ahead uh, is the direction I needed to send it. And remember before when I ended up switching the leads, we could have also just switched it in code if we wanted to. Uh, so I set that for just a quarter of a second. So time sleep 0.25 is enough to get it open. And then I set the throttle to zero, which is uh, essentially like stalling the motor. It holds it open. Um, I believe the stop, it might be the stop command uh, or idle. There's something that kind of just puts it into neutral. But this, I think, is, is holding it there so that it uh, can fight the springs that would pull it closed. And then close lid uh, is my function for closing it. And this is just for clarity. You could, of course, do this other way. It's like just have one lid function that you give an argument to zero or one, that sort of thing. But for clarity, I made two functions. Uh, and then that's all the setup that's necessary. And here's what happens uh, in my main loop. And again, I've kept it pretty verbose for clarity. So first thing is we check the button. If the button goes low, that's, that means we've pressed it. So that's why it says, if not SS, which is for Seesaw, uh, digital read button. It'll print that it's been pressed. It will uh, set the decoder to be the ring. And then I play the decoder file. Uh, then I open the lid after it plays that ding dong. So that's why it says while audio playing pass. So this means we don't have to do something like um, know how long it is and set that in as a time. Instead, just say while audio is playing, what do we do inside the loop? We just pass, then we're just, that means we're just gonna hang out here until that audio file's done playing. So it goes ding dong, then we run the open lid function. Uh, and then I'm changing what this decoder value is. And there may be a, a, a better way to do this, I think if I, if I looked at some of our MP3 player uh, code, like stuff that Jepler did, is there may be a better way. But the way I decided to do it, uh, first way I tried it that actually worked is this. So I just decoder, change what file it's pointing at, which is that audio files uh, list and whatever the current audio file is. So it starts out as zero, so it's the first item in that list. And then I play. This time, uh, I don't wanna wait for the audio file to end. I, in fact, wanna do all of the looking around. So while it's playing, I'm essentially looping this over and over again. So however long that audio file is, it's going to drive for half a second in one direction at uh, almost half speed, 0.6 speed throttle. Then it's gonna pause there for a second. Then it's gonna go for three quarters of a second, uh, the, the rest of that direction. Then it's gonna switch and back and forth. So it's this little kind of look, stop, look, stop, look, stop, that's ideally gonna look like it's picking out different trick-or-treaters in your, in your front yard. Uh, it'll loop through that cycle. So I don't want that cycle to be too long because I don't want it to go on forever and ever after the audio clip is done. Um, and you could make this a shorter cycle and then it would stop pretty much right, right when the audio ends. Um, but when the audio ends, it's done doing that and it does this throttle zero. So I stop that motor uh, and then I run the closed lid and then I increment the audio playback file so that the next time we press the button, it will uh, go to the next one in the list and I'm using modulo uh, of the 
length of the list minus one so that we loop back around over and over. So every time we press it, we'll just run through those five audio cycles. Um, and so that, uh, that is the basics of how this works. The, some of the setup for it was just finding the audio files. You could use anything you want, right? Any MP3 file that you can play back. The ones that they recorded for these devices sound particularly good because they're in sort of a, uh, a range that works really well for that speaker, sort of the sonic range that it's in works really well. I tried playing uh, a little song that I'd written and it sounded terrible because it needed a lot more bass than that speaker could give. But uh, that, that screaming guy and all of his, uh, all his creepy sayings works really well on there. Um, and let's see. So if, uh, yeah, I think that's probably a good, good place to stop with that. You can imagine it's um, free to you to code up whatever you want it to do. Um, I haven't got the LED hooked up yet, only because that's the only thing on there that wasn't on a connector. So I will have to cut or splice place the wiring on that to use that um, and then still be able to put the thing back together. I was hoping for a t totally non-destructive hack, but I will have to cut the wires for the LED um, or desolder them to be able to use that. So uh, let's, let's just have one more look at this guy before we wrap up. Um, we'll hear a different phrase this time because I haven't turned it off so it's ready to cycle to the next one. Let me take a look at you. Closer, please. A little closer. Also, one thing I did was um, I have, let me see, can I put me in the corner? There I am. Uh, I have not opened the eyeball all the way. It'll actually open that far if we, if we drove that motor for a little longer. So I decided it looked kind of neat to have it uh, creepily part, part way open. Uh, so again, that's the kind of choice you get when you're driving it with your own microcontroller. Uh, other reasons you would do this is we can have, um, wireless, right? If we used a, let's say, ESP32-S2, we could connect this to the internet over Wi-Fi. If we used a NRF52840 based feather, we could do Bluetooth stuff, uh, trigger things off of your phone. Also, you can add a lot of other sensors. So you could maybe add a light sensor or a distance sensor to the project if you want. Um, and the other thing I'm thinking is it may be uh, plausible. Let me unplug this for a second to turn it off it may be plausible to fit this in here uh, either as is, we may have clearance, or more likely um, extend the back. So make a longer back or 3D print your own uh, back on there if you wanted to, or you could sort of neatly wrap all those wires through a little hole in this, maybe come through the battery port uh, and have this, this extended in somewhere else. So um, you've got options there. Uh, again, not to disrespect the designers of this because it's fantastic. They've done what they've done for, for the low, low cost of $15 for this thing, mass-produced. Um, it does what it does. It does it really well, but we get to um, kind of explore and hack and modify if we want to. And in this case, the um, chip on here is just an epoxy-covered blob, so there's no reverse engineering it or, or taking over and, and putting different audio on there. You're not going to be able to do that unless you're super, super uber hacker. Uh, but for me, I just want to take over these and they made it really easy with these connectors. So I get to um, uh, mostly take advantage of the physical form layout enclosure and uh, mechatronics that they've designed, uh, but with my own 
audio in this case and my own animations. <laughs> you can imagine I've gotten really tired of that guy screaming. Uh, oh, by the way, one other thing. Let me go back over there. Um, the original was louder than this. And uh, one, another thing to know about the, the cricket is that it has a little um, potentiometer that you can turn with a screwdriver. This is a tiny little trimmer pot you can adjust the volume with. So check this out. Let me, let me get set up for it and then I'll... Did you know I was afraid of the... So we can get really loud or much quieter while we're testing, which is nice. Um, unbelievably loud. Sorry about that. I don't know if I'll have a ringing in my ears for the rest of the day based on that one. So uh, thanks for coming by and hanging out. Lots of fun to play around with these and hopefully it inspires you to go and look through your bin of Halloween stuff or uh, holiday stuff. These uh, Jemmy people make all sorts of Christmas stuff, Santa things, reindeer. Uh, I don't know what other, they definitely do Halloween and, and holiday, Christmas, uh, winter holiday kind of stuff, but there's probably more. Uh, I think they did SpongeBob stuff. That would be kind of a fun one to hack, so. Uh, especially if you can get these on clearance. I see people finding these for a couple bucks on clearance, mostly because the batteries have uh, leaked out at the store over time. Um, so get, get them cheap and hack at, hack at them. Uh, have a lot of fun. All right. Uh, check in with our Discord before I go. Where did my Discord go? Have I lost it? There you are. Hey, Discord. Uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Jim Hendrickson. Andy Calloway, Foamy Guy. Uh, Foamy Guy, volume knob for testing is so nice. Worked on gadgets like that before and hearing it play a million times while you're working gets old. Oh, one other funny story I want to share. While I was in process of this, I had unplugged a motor and I plugged it back in to test it into the main board, uh, the original board. And... I had the speaker unplugged, but I, when I hit play, I was hearing sound. I was like, that's weird. Do they have like a tiny speaker built onto the board or something? No. It turns out I plugged the DC motor into the speaker out, output, and the DC motor was acting as a speaker, which is, I'm sure makes a lot of sense to some electrical engineers out there. But for me, I was like, whoa, why is the DC motor a speaker? But it is. Everything's a speaker, and every speaker is actually a microphone. So, uh transducers man how about it uh let's see other thoughts and questions um marie meyer asks do you have a link for that site so they're they're called jemmy j-e-m-m-y they may or may not even have their own site i think they just manufacture stuff and sell it to retailers so um the site i was looking at was a fan site, uh, fandom.com, so jemmy.fandom.com, uh, and this is just, this one just happens to be about their eyeball doorbells, but I think if you hit the Jemmy Industries wiki, you'll see they're number one for Halloween and Christmas, uh, these are some of the kinds of things, novelties, yeah, I, they did Billy Bass, I don't know if they were the inventors of it, but I, I, I see their name around Billy Bass, probably they are. Uh, or the, the manufacturers originally. And uh, so, yeah, it's tons of stuff, large-scale things, werewolves and so on. 
probably uh, paint your dragon or own Phil Burgess has, uh, has knowledge of this. Uh, see, Grover says DC motors do that. The cheaper the motor, the louder the sound. Yeah, it was, it was definitely discernible. It sounded like a tiny speaker. Freaked me out. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for today. So thanks, everyone, for stopping by. And I'll see you on Tuesday for another John Parks product pick of the week. Uh, tune in tomorrow for Scott's deep dive, where he continues to put CircuitPython onto the bare metal of Raspberry Pis and uh, upsets the natural order of the universe in doing so. But very exciting. Imagine the power we'll have. Uh, I think that'll do it. So thanks, everyone. See you next week.